Hello, 大家好，我是 Teacher Lydia， 欢迎来到国际聊天室。Hey everyone, I'm Teacher Lydia. You're listening to International Talk. 今天的来宾是来自美国纽约的 Evelyn， 她的父母是台湾人，但是她从小在纽约出生长大。今天他要来和我们分享纽约的生活，当一个 Asian American 的意义，在意大利交换的故事，还有时尚界的工作经验。Today's interview is with New York born and bred Evelyn. Her parents are both Taiwanese, but she spent her life in New York. Today she will talk to us about life in New York, what it means to be an Asian American, her exchange experience in Italy, and her time working in the fashion industry. I hope you enjoy this interview with Evelyn. Welcome, Evelyn. Thank you so much for coming today. Thanks, Lydia. Thanks for having me. So the question that I ask everyone first, everyone hates it, but I have to ask: Where are you from?、Um, I'm originally from New York. I was born and raised there, and I moved to Taipei in January 2021. So where in the U.S. did you live? I lived in New York City, born and raised. Your whole、there. life? Yeah, my whole life. I did go abroad just for like a half a year for Italy, and I've never lived in Taiwan until 2021. Wow!、Mm. So you really are fully New York. Yes, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> and how many languages do you speak? I speak two-ish. I speak English fluently, and then of course I learn Chinese at home with my parents in New York. And I'm actually taking classes now at MTC.、Mm-hmm. Exciting! How are you liking that so far? Um, it's good. You definitely learn a lot in a short amount of time. And because I'm juggling like both work and school, it's a little bit tough. But I definitely think it's worth it. I've definitely learned a lot. You're able to speak and understand. It's more the reading and writing part, right? Yeah, exactly. So the class is geared towards more reading and writing. And I actually do think that within like one week of class, I felt like I could read a lot of the words more. Wow.、Um, I think it's like a muscle memory type of thing for language. So if you use it more, it's easier for you to pick things up. How did you learn Chinese in New York? Um, so my parents are both Taiwanese, so I did s- grow up speaking、um, Chinese at home, and then I did go to、um, Chinese school. I went to Tsuji Chinese school. Oh, okay. Chinese, yeah. <laughs> did you feel like that helped? Um, yes, for sure. Up to a certain point, because <laughs> up until like fourth or fifth grade, I stopped having as much time. So my dad would help me do all my homework, and I would just like, <laughs> copy it. So I probably have like language proficiency of like a fourth grader or fifth grader, but I'm trying to work on that. <laughs> I feel like the biggest thing with Chinese school, at least in my experience, was that、um, having the friends there. That was what like motivated me to learn more. Like it wasn't the class itself; it was like having friends and、right. classmates where、yeah. like, we would chat in Chinese、mm-hmm. and stuff.、Um, for me, I just felt like it was a burden because it was so early in the morning. It was Saturday. I did have a lot of friends because I went there for like ten years, so it was like,、oh, the、wow. same people. But at the end, we were just like, we're over this. <laughs> I didn't appreciate it then, and I wish I did because then I wouldn't be wasting money now trying to learn Chinese again. So. My mom's always like, "Yep, I told you so," and I'm like, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> moms always know yes, best. Yes, <laughs> but it's true. I feel like I remember everyone would be like, "You have to go to school on Saturday," and I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah." And it's so early; it was like 9 a.m. starting, so you had to wake up at like eight, and then I didn't even want to get out of bed. That was so early, though. Mine was from one till five. Oh no, mine was super early, and then we had like extracurriculars after Chinese school, so it was like a really long day. Did you have to learn things like Tang Shi or like San Zijing? Yeah, but I don't remember it anymore. Like maybe if you told it to me now, I would like be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I hated those things because、mm. we'd have to memorize it and then know how to write it. I hated them too. I actually do remember it still, which is kind of insane. But <laughs> it means it's so burned in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you study at university? So at school, I studied English with a concentration in rhetoric, and that was basically the closest thing in my school to a communications major.、Mm-hmm. 
And I chose that because A, I transferred, so a lot of the credits that I had was perfect for that major. And B, I wanted to study abroad, so I needed something really easy to let me like go through college within the four years because I did not want to stay in school for an extra year or anything like that. And I'm actually just pretty good at English in general. I'm really good at reading and writing. I can write like a 10-page essay without ever reading the book um, <laughs> and get an A on it. So it was just something really natural to me. And I guess it worked out because right now I'm teaching English in Taiwan. So the major actually worked out perfectly well for me. Yeah, yeah. that sounds good. So is it common in the U.S. to extend to study for more than four years? It depends on your major. Some people do like uh, fail a few classes and then they have to like stay a little bit longer um, to get the credits back. Or people obviously stay for, you know, masters and PhDs and stuff like that. You said you studied rhetoric. What does that mean? Rhetoric is like communication. So using the English language, written English language to convince other people or persuade other people with um, oh. the English language. Yep. Mm-hmm. So kind of like marketing in a sense, but using language. Yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly. Oh. Everyone always asks like, "What is rhetoric?" Especially yeah. during like job interviews and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard that before, mm-hmm. especially as a as like a major or a concentration. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was like the closest thing to communication. So yep. Interesting. So you mentioned that you teach English in Taiwan now. What age group do you teach? So right now I teach at a like Bushiban, and that is uh, my oldest is fifth graders. Um, but I prefer teaching uh, older kids. So I do teach uh, junior high school, and I tutor on the side privately with adults mostly and I really enjoy teaching older kids because I feel like you can communicate with them more easily when you're teaching younger the material might be easier but you have to use so much energy to like especially Lydia knows because she's an <laughs> English teacher for um, like really young kids I sub for them they're super cute but you just need so much energy and sometimes uh, when I get home when I'm teaching younger kids I just like lie on my couch and I'm just like dead Yeah, but I like uh, teaching older kids because it's more natural, more easy to communicate with them, and I like to hear their stories and their opinions on things. Yeah, I feel like also since you majored in like reading and writing, it's also more interesting for you to teach things like essay writing. Yeah, or, like exactly, you know. exactly. And in Taiwan, what do you like to do during your free time if you have any? <laughs> uh, so in my free time, I love trying a bunch of the new restaurants here. I'm a big foodie, so. Taiwan is known for their food, so I'm always trying the latest restaurants. And whenever the weather is nice outside, I am always at the park, just like laying out, getting some vitamin D because you know a sunny day is hard to come by in Taipei. So <laughs> gotta take advantage of that. Yeah, especially this year. I don't know what's going on this year, but I feel like we've had way more rain. Oh yeah, usual. exactly. And this whole week it was rain. I think well today it wasn't raining. Today it was it wasn't. a little sunny, right? But we it's gonna lucky. rain tomorrow. Yeah, but it's raining the rest <laughs> of the week. So when I'm not at work, I always am just like hanging out with my friends, trying new restaurants, or Just laying out by the park. Do you have any favorite restaurants or types of food or dishes? That's like so hard because actually I've never eaten at a restaurant twice in Taiwan. Like when I go out ever, to maybe like the chains like Ba Feng or like I don't know McDonald's, <laughs> but I've never eaten at a restaurant twice because I there's so many great restaurants in Taiwan. I feel like I want to try them all, mm-hmm. and I'm waiting for my friends to come so that I can take them to my favorite restaurants. So my like Google Maps list is like. A never-ending list of places I want to try, and then I also have like a section of my loves, and those are like the places that I'm going to take my friends when they come visit me, hopefully soon. I feel like that's actually very interesting for Taiwanese people to know. What places would you, if you have foreign friends that come, what places do you take them to, or like what food do you recommend? Of course, I would take them to the night market. I think my favorite one is like Ningxia Yes because there's like it's pretty close to where I live, and there's a wide variety, and there's a few like Michelin like. Bib Gourmand type of rated foods there stalls there. I took Lydia to get turkey rice. 
It was so good. The moment the spoon <laughs> touched, she didn't even want any effort. She was like, I'll just have like two bites. And then the moment the spoon touched her tongue, she was like, oh, this is good. Oh my, it was, uh, I wasn't even hungry. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm not hungry. I don't want any rice. Like, and also like jiro fan to me is so like basic, or, normal, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. jiro fan. How amazing could it be? Yeah. And then I tried it and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is amazing. I think they definitely put like MSG or something <laughs> in it. <laughs> something. That like gets us, our brain like literally just like it sparks something in us. And then we're like, this is good. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. I definitely recommend yeah. it to anyone. And I definitely would take my friends to like omakase because I feel like it's a lot more affordable here compared to the states mm-hmm. in the states it's like the most basic one is like maybe 100 us so it's around like 2800 uh, taiwan dollars but here you can get like a decent omakase for like 1500 i feel so it's a pretty good deal and it tastes really good the service is great in all restaurants in taiwan compared to the states and there's like no tip that you need to give i've actually never heard of omakase until i came here Oh, really? Do you want to explain what it is? It's like the chef's special. It's whatever he wants to give you that day of the freshest fish that he found. And then he makes he like makes it in front of you. And you just don't know what you're getting. And normally it's like 10 to 12 courses. There's like a wide variety. So each time you go, it should be like different depending on like the season or the month. Mm-hmm. I guess that's it. <laughs> cool. Anything else you'd recommend food-wise? I would also probably take my friends to, like, the bars here. The bars here, even though they're called bars, they're more like lounges, I feel. Like, you sit there and you chat. It's not a place where you, like, dance and, like, go wild. Mm. I feel like bars in the States, when you hear bars, it's, like, a place you get, like, drunk. But here, they're, like, (laughs) a little bit classier. And the drinks they have here are, like, infused with teas. Mm. So I think that's something really unique that we don't have in the States at all. And the bartenders here are, it's like an art here, the bartending. Versus, like, in the States, it's, like, you know, some college girl who's, like, just trying to make some extra cash. I don't know. It's, like, the most common part-time job. Yeah. But here, it's, like, an art. And, like, they're really skilled. Like, there are so many bars here where there's no menu. And you just tell them what what you like. And they'll make it for you. And I think that's so cool. Mm -hmm. And you definitely have to go in with an open mind. But I think a lot of, like, Americans would find that really fascinating. Or foreigners, not Americans. Yeah. That's true. Actually, I really like the cocktails here, too. They make such unique cocktails. We actually went to one place where we had a pizza flavored. Was yes. it a pizza flavor? Yeah, it was like margarita pizza. Yeah. yeah. At um, WAT Watt. Yeah, that was really cool. So yeah. In general, there's just loads of those mm-hmm. places. So mm-hmm. good recommendation. Yes. <laughs> 首先第一个问题是大家最讨厌的,你来自哪里?Evelyn说她从小在美国纽约出生长大。直到2021年初才搬来台湾。除了纽约,他在意大利留学了半年,除此之外一直都在纽约。接下来我问他会几个语言,他说严格说他会两个,英文和中文。中文就是从小在家里讲,然后现在在台湾也在上中文课。虽
。如果当时学好，现在就不用再花时间和钱学习。所以他妈妈常常会跟他说：“你看吧，当初叫你把中文学好。”我说：“果然要听妈妈的话。”他说：“除了上课很累，也是因为上完中文课还要上一些才艺，像是唐诗啊，学三字经啊。”我跟他说：“我竟然也有这些，而且我还竟然还记得三字经，因为当时真的是死背到想忘也忘不掉。”接下来我问他大学主修修什么？他是读英文系，然后主修 rhetoric， 类似修辞，很像传播系。他觉得他的写作能力很强，而且刚好也想当交换学生，所以选了一个自己比较擅长的主修。我跟他说我没有听过 rhetoric 这个科系，请他解释一下。他说 rhetoric 是如何运用英文写作去说服或影响一个人的思维。有点像是行销语言。Evelyn 来到台湾开始教英文，所以刚好也沿用到他大学读到的科系。我问他主要是教什么年纪的学生，他目前在一个补习班教国小、国中学生，但他其实比较喜欢教年纪比较大的学生。他自己也有在接一些成人学生。他说，虽然教年纪小的学生教材比较简单，但是需要很多的体力和精神，所以上完课会觉得比较累。这个我非常同意。我问 Evelyn 上班以外的时间，他喜欢做些什么？他说他是一个 foodie， 就是美食爱好者，而且台湾有那么多美食，所以他很喜欢去吃吃不同餐厅。然后天气好的时候会去公园散步跟休息，特别是今年台北的下雨天感觉特别多，所以只要出太阳，他就想出去户外晒晒太阳。我问他在台北有没有最喜欢或推荐的餐厅？他说他很难选最喜欢的，因为他通常不会去同一间餐厅两次，因为他觉得有很多很多很厉害的餐厅，所以他每次都想去新的。但是他也有存一些让他觉得比较推荐的，也是他想带国外的朋友去。他说第一个一定是夜市，然后他最喜欢宁夏夜市，除了在他家附近，他觉得里面有很多选择，而且还有一些米其林推荐的美食哦。像有一个鸡肉饭的摊位 ，Evelyn 有带我去吃过，真的超好吃。我那天其实原本不饿，没有想吃，但是尝尝一口，我的舌头整个融化，真的超好吃。另外，他也会想带朋友去 Omakase， 就是一种没有菜单的日式料理。他觉得在台湾这种餐厅的价格比国外便宜很多，通常会是十到十二道菜，鱼都是当天最新鲜的。最后他说他会带朋友去台湾的酒吧。他说，在美国的 bar 比较像是会跳舞啊，或者喝很多酒的地方，但是在台湾比较像 lounge， 就是可以跟朋友去坐着喝一杯，比较优雅。另外，台湾有很多调酒是用茶做的，所以他觉得很特别。然后，台湾的调酒师感觉都很厉害。他说，在台湾调酒像是一种艺术，调酒师真的会去学习和研究，但在美国常常都是一些打工的大学生，比较不专业。台湾很多酒吧甚至没有菜单，你可以直接跟他们说你想喝什么，这对外国人来说都很特别。如果你们身边有一些外国朋友，也可以带他们去这些地方。听完 Evelyn 的介绍，让我们来更深一步的去了解他的经验与背景。All right, so now that everyone knows a little bit more about you and your background, I want to get into some more of your life experiences.、Okay. So I definitely want to start with New York. So as Everyone sees New York on TV all the time, and you know all the movies and stuff. What is New York really like? Is it really like how we see on TV? Is it you know the buzz of the city? And what is it like? 
So when I think of New York, I feel like a lot of foreigners think of like Gossip Girl or mm-hmm. Friends. I think Gossip Girl is not representative of <laughs> New York City. A lot of times people have this like really like glorified perception of New York City. The first thing I always do is I whip out my phone and I take out my Instagram and I type in subway creatures or what is New York. Um, I've shown Lydia because like if she ever wanted to visit, like I just want her to be prepared. But New Yorkers really don't give a beep about anything <laughs> and they're just so busy with what they're trying to do. So I do think that it's true that there is like a big buzz when you enter New York City. Like the energy is very different, but it's because everyone is busy and everyone is truly a hustler. Um, everyone is busy trying to get somewhere and trying to do something and they don't care like if what you're doing like you can do you can be like naked on the street and people will still be like rushing to get to their next destination because they don't have time for that and I think that's like the beauty of New York City everyone is very ambitious and everyone is from like all different kinds of walks of life Mm. you can make it in New York City as long as you're willing to work hard and like put in the time and I think that is like what is so amazing about New York City and I didn't really fully appreciate it or realize it until I left and I mm. came to like Taipei and the pace is a little bit slower. And yeah, that's like the first thing I realized coming to Taipei, I feel. When I first saw Subway Creatures and What is New York, I'm not going to lie, I was I was pretty shocked. <laughs> Especially the things that you see on the subway. And like also the, I heard a lot about the troubles of the subway, yes. like flooding in the subway yeah. and stopping suddenly Mm -hmm. and the smell apparently is terrible Mm -hmm. but the thing is like the subway is like our lifeline so Mm -hmm. no matter what we see like we're still going to use it like (laughs) no matter what like if there's someone like on the floor like naked or something i don't know i keep saying naked but there are oftentimes (laughs) a lot of times people are naked or someone doing drugs out in the open or something i don't know people are just gonna move on like no one's gonna like stop it like if you're watching the videos the clips on instagram notice the people in the background like they really don't care Mm. um they're just like busy trying to get to their next destination and they're not shocked either they're not shocked like it's an everyday (laughs) thing yeah so sometimes when i'm in taipei and i see a crazy person this feels like home like yes (laughs) i haven't seen a crazy person in so long like and they're not even that crazy in taipei Hey, like I feel like they're pretty normal, <laughs> but like, I'm like, yes, that feels like home. <laughs> That's hilarious. So it's definitely crazy, I guess. Is that the worst part of New York, or what do you think is the worst thing about living in New York? I don't think that's even the worst part. I think that's, like, the charm of it. That, like, it's, like, so funny. Like, when you see things, you're just like, haha, and then you just move on with your, like, day. I don't know what the worst part of New York City is. I think it's very expensive, and it's Mm. very competitive. So the main reason I wanted to, like, take a break from New York was because it was just so competitive. And being there my whole life, um, I just wanted a little, like, break and a slower pace of things. Mm. But I guess being born into New York City, I guess... I have an urge now to go back and, like, you know, get back into the swing of things. I want, like, the high energy again. So, Mm. yeah. So it's suitable for people who are high energy and want to, like, hustle and, like, want to work hard or willing to work hard. Yeah, and even if you're, like, in a rut, I feel like New York City is a great place to be inspired Mm. because there's so many hustlers and, like, people there that are really trying to achieve their dreams. And I know, like, New Yorkers get a really bad rep for being very, like, mean, but they're not. (laughs) It's because they really just don't care and they're just minding their own business and trying to achieve whatever they're trying to do so i don't think new yorkers are that mean (laughs) (laughs) is that because you're a new yorker though maybe (laughs) you're biased (laughs) and so growing up in the u.s um something that i've always found really interesting i also talked to vivian about this actually um is that you guys have this whole community of being asian american Mm. what do you think it means to you to be asian american so being asian american is basically you're not asian enough like for me I'm not Taiwanese enough to be, like, Taiwanese. 
and I'm not American enough to be American because the way I look on the outside when I come here, people expect me to speak Mandarin fluently. So when I ask questions, um, they get really annoyed with me because they're like, "What do you mean? Like, you should know it. Like, why are you asking me to read it to you?" And I'm like, "Oh, because like I can't read it." And then um, when I'm in America, like obviously I look a different way. So obviously when you're getting catcalled, like they'll say like derogatory names towards you, or they'll assume things about you because of the way you look, because of your race or something like that. So I think being an Asian American means being very tough and proud at the same time because. A lot of times, you face things in your life that might be discriminatory. A lot of times, if foreigners go to uh, New York City and they face racism, they actually don't know it because there's a lot of microaggressions that they're not aware of because they've never experienced racism or discrimination before. Mm-hmm. But being Asian American means being really tough, like because you're exposed to it at a very young age, and then you sort of grow up and you look back and you reflect and you're like, oh, was that? Why they treated me that way, and I think this is going to sound so horrible, but I think in this like current state of the world, a lot of times when you do anything, you ask yourself, did the person treat me that way because they were having a bad day, because they're just like a bad person, or did they treat me like that because I'm Asian?、Mm. And I think that is a really big problem a lot of Asian Americans face when they're in America, or just a lot of minorities in general. Yeah.、Mm. It's actually something that I get asked quite a lot by Taiwanese people.、Mm-hmm. Is that even though I'm not American, but they just assume, you know, the Western world is that will they face racism if they go to a Western country?、Um, and I think in Europe it used to be less, but now ever since、um, COVID, I feel like it has gone up. Yeah. Did you experience any racism growing up? Oh, for sure. Like definitely since、um, at a young age, I feel like I experienced racism, but I slowly. You don't get immune to it, but you just sort of learn to like brush it off your shoulders, sort of, or you learn to stand up for yourself. So either you're going to take it or you're going to stand up for yourself.、Um, I think being Asian American also taught me to be more protective because my parents are、um, Taiwanese, so they immigrated to America. So a lot of times they get treat- mistreated, and they don't know it because you know they weren't always exposed to it, or they think that maybe not them specifically, but I know a lot of like、um, immigrants come in, they accept the. Racism and the discrimination because they're like, oh, this isn't my country, and I'm like an outsider. But as an Asian American, since I was born there, I'm like, no, like you should not take it,、yeah. right? But then I don't want to scare people into like not <laughs> wanting to travel and stuff because I think it's really important to expose yourself to different environments and challenge yourself、mm. and put yourself in uncomfortable situations、mm. to learn different perspectives. And I think it does like make you have thick skin.、Mm. Because this is something that is not going to go away. It's very natural, even amongst the Taiwanese community.、Mm. There's racism within the Taiwanese community, whether you're like from mainland China, Taiwan, like, and then you immigrated here, or if you're like a real Taiwanese person, or an Aboriginal, or、mm. a Hakka person. Yeah, yeah. There's always racism everywhere.、Mm. Um, it's just I don't want that to deter people from traveling. Yeah, just I guess be aware that it could happen, and if it happens, maybe think about what you could do. Whether you choose to ignore it or whether you choose to stand up for yourself, I think either way is fine. But just be prepared that that might happen. But, and、yeah. but don't let that hold you back from、yeah. ever going. Yeah.、Mm. So you mentioned that you spent some time abroad, and、mm-hmm. you went to Florence, Italy. Yeah.、Correct? Tell us about your time in Florence. What did you learn from that? So I went to Florence、um, for、uh, half a year, and basically it was actually a fashion school because I was interested in fashion, and the classes that I took could actually transfer into my、um, 
regular um, university. Um, but there, it was really great because in Europe, it's so close to get to everywhere, like all the different countries. You can just take like a plane ride or like a short train ride, and you're in a new country. So that was like my main like goal. What I learned there was that was actually the pivotal moment of where I learned how um, important my Asian American identity was to me, because that was the first place I realized. I was not Asian enough, and I was not American enough. So, like for example, people would be like, "Oh, you're Chinese, but your English is perfect." And I'm like, "My English is perfect because I'm American." Yeah. And then they're like, "No, but you don't look it." And I'm like, "Well, I was born there, so." And then they just like couldn't fathom it. That was also a place where I、um, experienced a lot of racism, Italy specifically. They would do like the squinty eye, and they would like say mean things sometimes. I think also because there was a really Big Chinese like tourist population there,、mm-hmm. so they probably thought that it was very like、um, rowdy and noisy.、Mm-hmm. So they would associate it with all Asians in general.、Mm-hmm. There weren't that many、um, Asians studying abroad at the time、um, when I went.、Um, so I was probably like the only Asian in my whole like school. One of like maybe like maybe there's three. I don't know. I really can't recall that、wow. many. Yeah. I learned to get even thicker skin <laughs> if possible in Italy,、um, but I still had a great time. And you just learn to appreciate home more, your identity, your friends, and new experiences. I feel like any like new or uncomfortable experience really teaches you a lot. I feel like an exchange is always a great experience, or just studying abroad or traveling abroad is always just you learn so much about yourself. Yeah, and I learned to be a lot more independent.、Um, I was by myself. I didn't know anyone at the time when I went. I got to meet a lot of great people, see a lot of great things, and I felt like my life changed when I studied abroad. Yeah, it really just opened my perspective on like the world. That's amazing. I think everyone should do it. Yes, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned that you had an interest in fashion, and then when you moved back to New York, you started working in fashion.、Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. Since I was little, I always loved clothes, and I didn't know what I wanted to do after college. I was like, "What am I going to do with an English major?" So I was like, "Let me just give fashion a shot because that was something that I always wanted to try." So I was like, "Let me just do it." So I ended up working in like account management. So basically,、um, my company、uh, has multiple brands, and they would、uh, sell the clothes to like department stores or boutiques and stuff like that. And if a department store wanted a specific style, we would make it for them. So account man. Management would be sort of being in charge of the production, the warehouse, the fabrication, and working with the design team just to make sure everything is、um, smooth sailing and that the client gets what they want at the end. That was a really <laughs> that was a really、uh, fun exp. No, I don't think it was fun. I think it was a very <laughs> eye opening experience. I think you probably would ask me like. Would you have any advice for anyone who wants to get into fashion?、Yes. <laughs> It would just be to explore because there's so many different aspects to fashion. Like you would never know that there's someone that like picks the button that goes with your shirt. Wow. Yeah. So like that's their one job. Like and they match the button. There's like four buttons to choose from, and then you choose which one like you like. So it's a every day for me was like making the final decisions on like small things and making like the thread dyed to match the fabric or something like that. You would never know how much effort goes into like one garment.、Mm. Uh, But there's so many different aspects to fashion. Like you can do account management, like I did. You can do production, which is working with the factories, like warehouse optics and stuff like that, or even、um, like technical, which is like you know the buttons, or even、like、being a designer. You know, just、mm. designing the garment. Also, I learned that 
<laughs> fashion isn't as glamorous as it seems. It <laughs> I really, was going to say, like, yeah. Devil Wears Prada. Like, <laughs> no, nothing is as glamorous as it seems, right. of course. Even on Instagram, like, everything is, like, more glamorous. Working in a fashion magazine, you have to put in so many hours, I'm sure. Like, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. In fashion, it's very competitive because it's a little bit more catty because it's a little bit more, I don't want to, like, stereotype, but there's a lot of girls there. Is it stressful? Um, is it stressful? Yes, it's very stressful. Because <laughs> it seems very fast-paced as well. Yes, everything in New York City is very fast-paced in general, but fashion is uh, very fast-paced because you need to whip out like new products before the trend goes out of style. And a lot of times things are not in your control. For example, if the boat that is carrying your garment sinks, <laughs> that literally happened, or it's on fire, or there's like a roach infestation. That can ruin everything, and it's, like, not even your fault. Like, I was not driving the boat, but it all falls on you. So right. the pressure is, like, really all on you and because you are the face of, like, the company, sort of. Um, so that's the hardest part. But I think for everyone, they, they should definitely just experiment and see what they are interested in. Mm -hmm. I would never want to, like, die being like, oh, I wish I tried fashion. So that's mm. the main reason why I wanted to do it. And now I know, and I don't think I would do it again, but <laughs> it was a great experience. Yeah. Um, I had some great stories and I learned a lot. I grew a lot from it. And that's all you can wish for from any experience, I feel. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I mean, as long as you don't regret your decision and mm -hmm. yeah, like you said, you learned from, you got something from the experience. It's always good. Exactly. So. Yeah. So now that we're approaching the end of the interview, I'm going to ask you the two questions I ask all my interviewees. And the first one is, what would be your biggest tip for someone learning a new language? So since I teach um, English now, I think my biggest tip would be, I just always try to instill confidence into my students. I feel like there's no point in learning English or learning any language if you do not have the guts to speak <laughs> it. And I think a lot of my adult students, they just have no confidence. And I'm always like, pushing them I'm like you're great you're so amazing you're so smart you have all of these great skills but why are you like so like shy and hesitant to speak it because like okay the most amazing thing about america i want everyone to like remember this is you do not need to speak a word of english and you can still make it <laughs> that is like the most amazing part of like america 100 mm -hmm. percent. like my my dad he his english is like not great He's been there for 20 years and his English is probably like worse than some of my students. But my dad does not care. Like he will <laughs> speak it with his broken English. My dad is like thriving in America. So I just want everyone to know that like you do not need to worry about your accent. Like there's mostly in New York City, especially meet at least one person with an accent every single day. Mm. Maybe three minimum. I mm. think everyone has an accent. Like everyone is from different walks of life. And don't be worried about your accent. Just practice having confidence, and just be willing to speak it. Mm. People are more open-minded in America, I feel. So I don't think they care, really. Yeah, they're and not they, going to be like, you sound weird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they might actually think that your accent, they, that would be a great like starting point for a conversation, I feel. To be like, oh, and where are you from? You know? And yeah, I think that's like my biggest thing. I would just want everyone to have the confidence. Taiwanese people, their education system is so like uh, like strict. You are smarter than any <laughs> American. I feel like the American education system is probably not on par with the Taiwanese. <laughs> I'm not kidding because like when I came to like when I would come to Taiwan in the summer, um, my cousins could take the SATs and like do so well on it without even like even though their English wasn't even that great. They would do better on it than I did. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay. So, like, you're smarter than probably the person you're competing with in America, I feel. You just need to learn to fake it until you make it. Mm 
because I feel like that's what a lot of Americans do. Like they have a lot of confidence. Mm. Am I gonna get like so much hate? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, everyone in America, like they just have so much confidence, and I think that's what makes America. Thrive so much because we're just like we're the shit, you know, like we're the best, <laughs> and people believe it. Yeah. So I feel like for people who are learning English, like just fake it till you make it. Like just really believe. Like don't even care what other people think. Just do it, and like it won't even matter at the end. Yeah, that could be related to the last question, which is if you could say one thing to Taiwanese people in general, what would it be? You guys are great. <laughs> I think my advice would just to be more confident. Um, I think Taiwan is such a great country. And a lot of times we worry about what other people think or try to be a little bit more polite, more like kuchi and like limao, right? <laughs> that's great. But have more confidence in yourself and like expressing yourself because I think that's a, a really like wonderful trait to have mm -hmm. to like really be your authentic self and not be worried about what other people think of you. Be yourself. Don't be think confident. too much. Yeah, be confident because you guys are like so great. I feel, I feel like Taiwanese <laughs> people are great. So there's nothing to be like, you know, shy about. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, Evelyn. I feel like I learned so much about New York and in general, <laughs> so many cool stories. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. We often常在电视上看到纽约，但是因为Evelyn在那边出生长大，我请她形容一下那边的生活。真的像电视上看到的那样吗？她说她觉得大部分的人都美化了纽约的样子。为了要打破这个画面，她会建议大家上Instagram看
。像他小时候可能会听到一些评论，长大后回想才发现，其实那些话是歧视他。在现在的社会中，我们有时候遇到一些状况，会开始想，他这样说是因为他心情不好，还是他不懂，还是其实他在歧视我？而且目前这个问题对于美国的亚洲人来说比较常遇到。我跟他说，我很常会被亚洲人问。如果他们去到西方国家，会不会遇到歧视呢？我个人觉得，在欧洲这几年，因为疫情有变稍微严重一点。我问他，那美国呢？他说长大的时候有遇到，但是你会慢慢习惯，然后学习如何去忽略或者去应付他。但是像他爸妈年代的人，如果遇到歧视，会觉得没关系，因为这本来就不是他们的国家，然后他们觉得自己是外人，所以觉得这样被对待。也没关系，可是像 Evelyn 就会觉得不应该这样，然后会为他们反抗。但他觉得，就算可能会遇到这种状况，大家不要因为这样而不去旅游，还是可以去多体验不同的文化和国家，也会让你变得更坚强。无论你去到哪里，其实也都会有某种歧视，只要你有心理准备，你还是可以去享受那边的生活。Evelyn 也有提到，他大学的时候去了意大利当交换学生，我请他分享那时候的经验。他说，去欧洲交换的好处是，欧洲的国家都很近，搭个火车就可以去别的国家玩，很方便。他说，他去到那里的时候，才发现原来他不是完全的美国人，因为可能会有人说，哎、欸，你的英文很标准哎，然后他就会回说，对啊，因为我是美国人。可是他们就会觉得说，嗯，可是你不像美国人啊。然后很多人就会觉得很难接受，他说他是美国人。在那边还有被歧视，因为意大利的亚洲交换学生比较少，他们其实也不太理解。但是他觉得这还是一个很棒的经验。他说，只要是跳脱舒适圈的经验，都会是一个能充实自己和更了解自己的机会，也可以变得更独立、广大眼界。也因为这样，我们都非常推荐大家去国外当交换学生啊，或者旅游啊等等，就是去体验一下，一定可以学到很多。那 Evelyn 回到美国毕业后，他就开始在时尚界工作。他从小就对服装有兴趣，所以他决定去试试看。他当了 Account Manager， 这个工作包含和厂商沟通、管理制作过程，还有设计部门沟通等等。那几年的工作经验对 Evelyn 来说很辛苦，但他学到很多。如果有听众们对时尚界有兴趣，他会建议要去尝试不同职位，因为其实有很多不同的专长。例如有一个人是专门负责挑选衣服上的纽扣，就是他的唯一的工作就是选纽扣。另外，时尚界真的没有大家想象的那么美好，而且时尚界竞争力很强，压力也会很大。再加上是一个很快速的产业，因为你要在流行退潮之前赶快出衣服，而且有很多事情不在你的控制内。例如说，他有遇过的就是服装运送的时候，船竟然沉下去，衣服就没了。或是仓库有火灾，也是衣服都烧掉了。那这些事情发生的时候，你还是得承担，这个是最大的挑战。但他还是会建议大家，如果有兴趣，可以去试试看，因为试了你才会知道。最后我问他有没有哪些建议是给想学一个新的语言的人。他说他在台湾教英文这段时间，发现很多人缺乏自信。他觉得如果你今天不敢开口，那你学再久的语言都没有用。他说，在美国最大的优势就是，就算你一句英文都不会，你还是可以成功。像他爸爸的英文、嗯、不是很强，但他还是可以在那边生活、工作超过二十年。几乎每个人都有一个腔调，只要你愿意讲，有勇气开口，你就可以去试试看。
他也觉得台湾的教育很严格，所以大部分的台湾人应该比普通美国人还要聪明，他们只是比较有自信而敢表现。他说 ：“Fake it till you make it。”你自己只要相信你可以，其他人也会相信。最后我问他有没有想跟台湾人说的话，他说：“你们很棒，要对自己有自信，多表达自己的想法，大胆的做自己，不要在乎别人怎么看待你。”今天真的很开心，可以和 Evelyn 聊这么多，可以听到当地纽约人分享那边的生活，真的很特别，也可以更了解美国人如何看待亚洲人，还有时尚界工作的真相，真的很精彩。最后还有很多正向的提醒，希望大家都可以向美国人学习，有自信、勇敢的做自己。如果你也喜欢这个音频，请记得帮我们打五颗星，也可以在 IG 帮我们分享，记得 tag 我，让我看见。Teacher Lydia Languages. I really enjoyed this interview with Evelyn. Hearing about New York from a real New Yorker is really interesting, and also learning more about the Asian American community and how others perceive Asians was an eye opener for me. It was also great to learn more about the fashion industry. As it is often something that seems very far away, and a final reminder to everyone to be confident and to be yourself. You are amazing, just the way you are. If you also enjoyed this interview, it would mean so much to me if you would give us a five-star rating and follow me on social media, Teacher Lydia underscore Languages. Have a wonderful week, and I'll see you next time. 我们下次见喽。